This is Aaron Yeska and Juliana here with the final episode of our podcast series, Looking Like the Enemy One. In today's episode, we're going to ask questions and discuss the entire book, Looking Like the Enemy, and share our thoughts on it. To encourage good discussion, we're going. To, we have a series of topics and questions that we'll answer and discuss throughout the podcast. Hope you enjoy. Let us start off with our first question. In chapter 16 and 17, Mary expresses the huge conflicts among everyone in, in, in the internment camps when they had to fill out the questionnaire in order to prove their loyalty. Some people answered yes, yes, while others answered no, no. If you had to decide for, for yourself, what would you choose? To give you guys some context, this is referring to the last two questions that were on the questionnaire that they had to fill out. The last two questions were different for different for everyone. And for the males that were able to fight in the war, they were asked if they were willing to fight and everyone else was asked if they were willing to volunteer for the army corps. A little bit more context. These questions also determined whether you were allowed to go outside of the camp to work later, or you were to be deported, or you were to be questioned by the FBI. All of that depended on what you answered. Honestly, um, I would answer. That's a tough one. I would answer yes on both questions, just so even if it might seem like they're trying to bait me into doing something i would still i would still answer yes in both questions because it just it'll prove your loyalty to the united states and you'll be able to do stuff outside of the camp and you're not going to get for you're not going to be deported where and sent back to japan where you might might be seen as a traitor i personally wanted to vote no no but i would actually vote Yes, because I'd be too afraid to get in trouble. Because they were beating up everyone who was answering like the yes questions. But the people that answered no no got in like serious trouble and they weren't they were considered disloyal. And I I'd be too scared to do that. Because then the government would see me as like a traitor to the country. Instead of like the the people in the camp, the, I, I don't care about the people in the camp. Like they could, they could have their own opinion. I wouldn't be scared of that. But it would be the government. It's what the government's going to do. The government has all the power. The people in the camp have not no power. They have the power, and they would already be outside of the camp doing work. I agree with Aaron. So I would answer yes to both questions. Just so I don't look like an outsider and I want to be safe and with my family at the camp, I don't want to put anyone in danger. You make a very good point there. Because I, I don't want to get in danger either. Okay, let's move on to our next question. 
the author discusses that some Japanese Americans turn to the legal system in order to fight being imprisoned in the inter- internment camps. A well-known case is Korematsu versus the United States. The U.S. government is still able to, quote-unquote, legally imprison groups of people if it is considered a national emergency. This was said on page 142. How do you feel if this could happen to you right now? All right, first of all, um, <laughs> I'm actually pretty surprised that you nailed that pronunciation. Korematsu. <laughs> As I'm like, oh shoot, I didn't know if you're gonna, I didn't know if you're gonna pull that off. Um, I was nervous about that, that too. <laughs> yeah. Okay. The fact that the U.S. government is still able to legally imprison groups if it's considered a national emergency, I think that wouldn't pass. It is not nine. It is not the 1940s. Or it's not. It's not World War Two. It is 2020. Like. If you're if you're a tad bit racist now, you're you're done. You're done. People are getting their lives ruined because of that. You you can't do that anymore. Like if that law gets brought up, people are gonna people are gonna protest until it gets shot down and burned. They want that law. People want that law gone, except for well, certain groups of people. But I'm not gonna name them. Yeah, um, I would I would feel very angry and probably protest if it could happen to me right now because that's that's just garbage like that's terrible i don't see how anyone could do that and that law is also very old too decades old so it wouldn't even apply today it's crazy to think that they still have the power to do that though but it's nice that we have like technology now to connect everyone so everyone would be informed about the situation and we could prevent it from actually happening what do you think juliana um i feel like i would not tolerate it because um it seems unconstitutional to me even though there was a war going on that doesn't like it doesn't justify putting Japanese people in camps. And I think what's ironic is that um, in the war, they were trying to save the save the Jews from the Holocaust, the Americans were. But they also ironically kept their own prisoners, which was not right. Um, I feel like if it happened today, I definitely would have protested against it being Asian American and seeing like my fellow, I guess, Asians get in prison. It's just not fair. It's simply because they would, well, it depends on the context is. Now, legally imprison groups of people. They don't specify our groups of people. So they could legally imprison like ex-felons, I guess, they wanted to, that, that would be fine. But legally, Imprisoning people by race is that should not be allowed. That is definitely, I think that law needs to get a little uh, reword there. So I would reword it to U.S. government should be still able to legally imprison groups, not excluding 
excluding race if it was considered a national emergency. So race cannot be a factor in imprisoning people. That way, the people that didn't do anything would be okay because a lot of people, innocent people were imprisoned. Moving on, my question is, on the last page of the book, the protagonists connect, um, collect shells. Um, what do these signify? And I put that these shells signify what her and her family lost during the whole imprisonment because they burned their own possessions just to look not just to look like they weren't enemies so i feel like these shells are like their new possessions or they're made to replace the ones that they lost to further on your explanation i think she was also collecting the shells as a reminder of what she went through because during while she was in the camps uh, one of the few tangible things that she had were those necklaces that, that she made out of the shelves and she explained that that was one of the few, few things that she would keep with her later on in life I mean I see where you're coming from that those shelves could represent their new new jewelry new possessions right but I think those shelves that was a little those shells are a little bit of freedom. Like to even collect those shells, they were given a little bit of freedom. They were able to step out the step outside the internment camp. Like that's when it transitioned from all these armed guards, right? Maybe in like I think it was chapter eight or nine, where there was all the armed guards, right? But then it slowly transitioned to just normal people. Like just I mean, granted they're not they weren't Japanese American, they were just straight up white people, but there, there wasn't any more heavily armed guards sitting in the watchtowers. So they were allowed to just go out. They were free. In contrast, in the first internment camp where um, the narrator walked out to use the restroom, right? And spot, a spotlight shined on her and followed her all the way back until she went in because they thought she was trying to escape. That part in the book uh, freaked me out because I, I was scared they were going to shoot her. Honestly, though, I, yeah, <laughs> I thought that was going to happen. But I mean, well, I knew it wasn't I knew it wasn't going to happen because she's still living to tell. She, she lived to tell the tell write the book. Right. So I knew she wasn't going to get shot. But I thought she was going to like it was pretty surreal. It was a very big possibility. Yeah. Um, my next question is, why does Mary express that she's grateful to be put in the concentration camps despite her hardships? And she expresses this after she was let out and she comes back to visit with her family. And I ask the questions, would you feel the same way? Like, would you feel grateful that you were put through this experience? And would you resent Americans? if you lived through this time period. So I'll answer first. 
Um, I would not. I'm an optimistic person, but I would never be grateful to be put in a concentration camp. The reason why she says she's grateful is because she says it made her like stronger and stuff. But when you're young, like you should just be. I feel like you should just be living like your youth and stuff. You shouldn't be having to be discriminated for your race. And would you resent Americans if you lived in this time period? I feel like I would a little, just because like, um, I don't know, like, <laughs> I feel like it was just so not right for them to be discriminated for their race. I'd probably be a little bit salty about what happened. Um, well, it depends. I would think that if I went through the exact same experiences that I did, that she did, and I mentally matured like that, yeah, I would, I would be grateful. Not to be put into the concentration camps, but for that experience, like that, that, that growth. But if I were to choose, let's say I, I would choose to go there, no way, no way. It doesn't matter. No way. There's, there are other ways to do that while not being discriminated against. And getting everything messed up, getting your mind messed up, like that's that's a terrible experience to go, go through. Honestly, I would be totally traumatized. I get I get scared easily, and I'm an anxious person, so th this would just make me worse. I I'd be afraid of everything. So the. Even though they were hardships, I feel like I could grow from it, but I would be anxious all the time, and that wouldn't be good on my mental health. And I'm not sure if I would resent all Americans, but I would be—I would always be on guard. If you—if you know what I mean, I—I'd be afraid. Yeah, I see what you mean. So you'd kind of have, like, after that, you'd kind of have, like, PTSD, I guess. So you describe it. Yes. Yeah. I, uh, I was trying to think right. of the word, so thank you. <laughs> yeah, no problem. So, on to the next topic. In Chapter 13... There was a story told about how some Japanese Americans went back to work outside of the camp and the employer was glad, the employer said they were glad to have them back and paid them good wages, but didn't want them around. They explained that, quote, our boss was glad to have us Japanese Americans come and help the harvest, but when it was over, we were Japs again. He didn't want us around. I didn't like it that we were welcomed only when we were needed. That's, um... That's kind of weird. Like, I mean, that's expected. Because even though they were 
even though they were free to go, right? People still didn't think of them as the same. They didn't think of them as equals. They thought of them as Japanese. They're not. They're not an American. They're Japanese. That they're just here for me. They use them not as normal, normal citizens, right? But if you think of it, they're kind of used like slave. It's just there to work. I mean, they weren't beat or anything like that, but they were just there to work, earn money, and go home. They were basically being used for their for their hard labor. They didn't actually want them there. They just wanted them to do the job and be over with. Well, at least at least they paid him good wages. Like they they described that they were paid well, but that doesn't matter. Like you don't treat them like you don't treat them like everyone else there. It's just unfair. I mean, life isn't fair, but that's that's based being treated like that based on your your race, ethnicity. That's that's just not right. They were. They already had. I would feel. Oh, sorry. You can go. Oh my gosh! Thank you, Yasuka. Sorry. <laughs> um, I would feel awful because I felt like her friends were just like, um, kind of taking advantage of her, and then like using her. And. They brought like her race into it, which I don't like. Okay, another discussion topic. And Wait, before you move on, check the time. Whoa. May I uh, add on to our? Oh, before you move on. Yeah. Sure. Go for it. Okay. So they were pretty scared. Of, they they already had concerns with the outside wor world about how they were going to be treated once everything was over. So I think the situation in a way was able to prepare them for when they went back. Yeah, that's true. That is very, that's accurate. Okay, now on to the final discussion topic of the day. This one's going to be a question. Would you have accepted the two thousand dollars that the lawyer gave Tionichi in Chapter Seventeen? He calls it "quote unquote" blood money, and that is it is dishonorable to take that money. What do y'all think? Man, this is unrelated, but I fit saying his name wrong. <laughs> um, he. Right, how have you been saying it? I'm just, I'm just curious. Yonichi? No, wait, is that how you said it? Yeah, that's, that'll work, yeah. yeah. That's all good. <laughs> I, I was close. <laughs> yeah. Alright, so what were you going to say? <laughs> um, he probably felt like it was dirty money because he, he was forced... No, wait. 
I'm thinking of something else. Y you can go, Juliana. <laughs> okay, I feel like I would have accepted the money, even though it was, they considered it dishonorable. Um, I would have accepted it just because it's like the government's way of like apologizing for what happened. Even though I don't know if that was enough, I would have accepted it. Honestly, um, I would I would have accepted it. I I would know that it's blood money, and I would accept it, but I wouldn't keep it. I would donate it to other other people that like truly need it like maybe family member died inside the camp right because keep keeping the money i, I agree with him that is blood money but i would use that blood money to help somebody else because I, I could do fine without it i gathered my thoughts and i remembered what i was going to say um, so, I get, I, presumably, he considered it blood money because of all the hardships that everyone had to go through, and because there were people that died. So, in a way, the money was saying that that was what they were worth. So that must have also played into why he didn't want the money, because they were pretty, the government was saying, if... You accept this money, you promise to be quiet. It was like hush money, you know. Yeah, I see what you mean. All right, well, this concludes the third episode of third and final episode of our podcast, Looking Like the Enemy One. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy. Have a nice day.